Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he was rejected so that we would be accepted. We thank you that he became a curse so that we could become a blessing. We thank you that he became poor so that we could become rich. We thank you that he became sin so that we would become your righteousness. We thank you that he was bruised for our iniquities. And we thank you for his stripes because he purchased our healing. We thank you for Jesus and we pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion this evening. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank God for our life and the opportunity to live to see another day. Indeed, we must work the works of him who has sent us while it is day, for night cometh which no man can work. We thank God for how far he has brought us and we are beginning a new series. So far we have done who told you, we have done spiritual gifts, we have done the parable of the loving father, we have done in the garden, and we just ended his poema. And I believe that Ephesians 2 verse 10, we have all memorized it by now. And just something to recap or to emphasize, I made a statement that the good works we have been called to do is simply being a vessel by which God finds expression in your life. It's we being the channel where we link the supply of God to the needs and the cries of people. And just in case you know, the supply of God is Jesus. As I've said before, and as we have studied here early on, that all that God has to say about anything is Jesus. All that God will have to say about your health is Jesus, about your finances is Jesus, about your marriage is Jesus. So what is the supply of God? And the supply of God is Jesus. Jesus is the answer of God to every question. So if man is to be the channel by which the supply of God gets to the need of man, what is that supply? That supply is Jesus. Whichever aspect of life you find yourself, whichever mountain of life you have been pleased, whether the mountain of academia, of health, of entertainment, of sports, of, of fashion, of family, wherever God has ordained for you to be, you are there to make Christ known. And it's not by evangelism that so when you go to work, when we preach to everybody where you're supposed to be working, no. But it's being that source, that light, where you give clarity, where you give direction, where you give insight. Because you have been with Jesus, you are able to supply that virtue which you have from him to the wealth of people. And it's very important that we understand this. So tonight we are beginning a new study you would like to title, Why the Wilderness? And as I said, we are telling a story. So after you know that you are his masterpiece, you may have been excited and full of faith and full of joy, ready to step out and exude Christ wherever you find yourself. But there's something that you must understand, that there's something one of a man of God likes to call the university of the wilderness. But we are looking at it, why the wilderness? And obviously it is from God and his dealings with the people of Israel. So the question is, why did God take them through the wilderness? We want to see what we can learn from this. And the chapter we'll be perusing with Deuteronomy chapter 8. We'll be perusing that chapter. So I would just like to read Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I would encourage you also have your Bibles and your notebook and pens or your iPad or your phone, however you document what we are studying. But first, I will read Deuteronomy chapter 8. It is 20 verses, so I will be a little bit fast. But kindly take note of each verse because you'll be perusing it verse by verse. All the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Father, which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember all which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, and to know what was in your heart, 
whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and suffered you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you knew not, neither did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Your remnants was not old on you, neither did your foot swell these 40 years. You shall also consider in your heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord chasteneth you. Verse 6. Therefore, you shall keep commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God brings you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of wells and hills, a land of wheat and barley, wine of vines and fig tree and pomegranate, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you shall eat without scarcity. You shall not lack anything in it. Wow. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you will dig brass. When you have eaten and you are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. In not, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God in not not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his status, which I command you this day. Least, when you have eaten and you are full and have built godly houses and dwelt therein, and when your heads and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up, and you would forget the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you to that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fairy serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might prove you to do you good at the latter end. Wow. Verse 17. And you say in your heart, my power and my might and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, with the scripture most of us are familiar with. For it is he that gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish the covenant which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if you do at all forget the Lord your God, and walk after God and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before your face, so shall you perish, because you will not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. So as I said, we'll be perusing this chapter verse by verse. But tonight, we will just want to do, um, if I should say, a brief background study as to why God decided to take the Israelites through the wilderness. But before that, there's something very important in the verse 5, which is the basis of our discussion. And I want to read the verse 5 again. It says that you shall also consider in your heart that as a man chastened his son, so the Lord is also chastening you. And this is very important. The only reason why God will take you through the wilderness or the only reason why God is interested in your case, why God is interested in you is because he sees you as a son. It's very important. So there are certain experiences that God will take you through because you are his child that he will not take other people through because he doesn't see them as his children. Because many a times we like to compare ourselves with unbelievers. And even a time came in the life of David when he had the same issue, I think in Psalms chapter 73. And even throughout the Psalms, in a verse that goes like, I was envious of the wicked when I saw the prosperity of the arrogant. You see, many a times we ask ourselves that, why are we going through certain seasons of our lives? Why are we going to such experiences? And the verse that gives us a hint is because just as a father chastened his son, so also is the Lord chastening you. I don't think your father, or I don't think if you are a parent, you go into the neighborhood and be catching children and be disciplining them and be correcting them and be teaching them. You will not do that on a daily basis. Maybe occasionally if something happens and your path crosses your path, you may want to give them advice or correct them or rebuke them. But you don't do this on a daily basis. Why? Because they are not your children. So the issue is why the wilderness is because God considers you as his child. And there is a certain training 
there's a certain discipline as i said a man of god says there's a certain the university of the wilderness there's a wilderness experience and there's a wilderness season for every masterpiece of god and because god considers you as his masterpiece that is why he will take you through the wilderness so in as much as you are excited that you are god's best you are his point you are his workmanship you are his arrow you are the one who is going to conquer nations you must realize that god must take you to the wilderness because there is something that you can learn only when you go through the wilderness but we want to go a little bit deeper now let's go to exodus chapter 13 the verse 17 and the verse 18 something very interesting as I said, we just be doing a background study. We don't really look into just going around it for tonight. Now, Exodus chapter 13, the verse number 17. Now, listen to something very interesting. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go. Listen to this part. That God led them not through the way of the Philistines or not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, list by adventure. The people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. Verse 18. But God led the people about by the way of the wilderness, by the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up armed out of the land of Egypt. Now, I don't know if you got what we are reading. Now, the Bible is telling us that when God took Israel out of Egypt, there were two ways by which they could have entered the promised land. One of them was through the land of the Philistines, which was a shorter route, and the other one was through the wilderness. Now, if you just do a little study, you realize that if God had taken them through the land of the Philistines, they would have used three days to get into the promised land. But God said that if I take them through that land, these people would see war. And when they see war, they would run back to Egypt. This is very important about how God deals with us. So the Bible said that God did not take them through that route, but God took them through the route of the wilderness. And now the interesting thing is this, that the journey using the wilderness would have taken 11 days. As I said, using the land of the Philistines would have taken three days. But because God didn't want them to see war, knowing that when they see war, they would return back to Egypt, he decided to use the wilderness. But the interesting thing is this, the wilderness would have taken them 11 days, 11 days. But some way, somehow, it took them 40 years in the wilderness. I don't know if I'm catching this. I really struggle to find out how a journey that takes you 11 days, you could prolong the journey to an extent that it takes you 40 years. And this is very important for us to study. Why did the journey prolong for that long? And why did God choose the wilderness? And this is very important for our work because many a times we are blaming God for many things that happen in our life. And you want to know how well do we flow with God. Now, the first thing Exodus is telling us that is God would have taken them through the land of the Philistines. But what changed the mind of God? And I'm using the word change for the lack of a better word. Or why did God take them through that land? It was because the Israelites, when they see the Philistines or when they see war, they would run back to Egypt. In other words, how God or the, 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 the how God deals with you is dependent on how you are willing to flow. Israelites were mature enough to be able to trust God through the land of the Philistines. God would not have taken them through the wilderness. But because of their immaturity, because of their unrenewed mind, because of their lack of trust in God, God had to take them through a far route. And even with that route which has taken them 11 days, it actually took them 40 years. And you want to just do a little study. But now the basis is this, that God deals with you, how you flow with him. That is why it is important for a Christian, for a Christian, not the underlying way, to be matured. Because remember, the reason why I'm saying a Christian is because God is interested in training his children. He trusts his children because they are the ones that have submitted to his lordship. So they are the ones that he trains. And because you are his child, God will train you. But the issue is how willing or how malleable you are to be trained by God and how well you flow with God will detect that God will use to take you to your promised land. So if the Israelites were mature, they would have taken three days. 
So even the 11 days, some way, somehow, they made it 40 years. And this also gives a hint that many a times, the reason why so many prophecies, so many words concern our lives, we are not realizing them, is because we ourselves are robbing ourselves from the realization of prophecies and the will of God concerning your life. Why? the wilderness. And this is why this study is very important because many of times we frustrate the plans of God concerning our life and not blaming it on everybody else except ourselves. So we want to peruse. Now let's just go, this may sound funny or new to some of you, so take another example. Let's look at the Israelites, this same Israelites. Let's look at Genesis chapter 15, the verse number 13 following. Let's study something over there. God was speaking to Abraham or Abraham, that time was like Abraham. Listen to what God said. And he said to Abraham, Know of surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall be afflicted for 400 years. If you know, God is telling Abraham that your seed, I will take them to a certain season of slavery. But that season of slavery is supposed to last for 400 years. Now let's go to Exodus chapter 12, verse number 40 following. Now listen to what happened. Now the time that the children of Israel dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. <laughs> God told Abraham that they were supposed to spend 400 years. But how come they ran it 430 years? Is it that God's word was not sure? Is it that God did not know his timetable? Is it that God made a spiritual mistake to remember secondary school? The white syntax error or something when you put in something not <laughs> and the computer or the calculator tells you is not correct. Syntax error. So how come God has said that we spent 400 years, but they spent 40 years? And this is the same reason why, even though they were supposed to spend 11 days, listen to the sharp contrast, even though they were supposed to spend 11 days, they ended up spending 40 years. God deals with you on how well you are able to flow with Him. Let me not jump ahead of myself. Now let's go to Acts chapter 7. It gives us a hint as to why the 400 years became 430 years. Acts chapter 7, verse 22. Let's go. We are studying something tonight. It says that. Talking about Moses, and Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptian, and he was mighty in words and in deeds. Now listen to the verse 23. Acts chapter 7, verse 23. And when he was full 40 years old, listen to the construction of the sentence. It came into his heart to visit his brothers, the children of Israel. I'm taking it again. And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart that he should go and look at his brothers, the children of Israel. Look at the verse 24. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed, and he smote the Egyptian. The verse 25. Listen, he supposed that his brothers would have understood how God, through his hand, would have delivered them, but they did not understand. <laughs> verse 26. Okay, I think we can stop over there. Yeah. So let's just read the verse 25 again. For he supposed that his brothers would have understood how that God through his hand delivered them, but they did not understand. So now, if you do the calculation, when Moses was 40 years, after that time, Israel had spent 390 years in slavery, and it entered into the heart of Moses. That means God started giving Moses hints that the reason why I have preserved you and the reason why I took you into the school of the Egyptians the reason why I made your enemies train you and feed you was because that was to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. So you remember that when Moses was just going to visit the people, he was now doing survey, he was now picking plants. So he was like, oh, let me just go and see how these people are being treated. Because you know he was a DB, he was a king's son, he was Pharaoh's son. So he was now planning. So God gave Moses a 10 years gap so that he started planning his strategy. So now what happened? When Moses went and he saw somebody being maltreated by an Egyptian out of anger, and out of the burden that God had placed upon his heart, interpreted that burden by killing an Egyptian. And the issue was that in verse 25, the one we just read, said, for, and when he did it, he didn't see anything wrong with it because he was thinking that the Israelites would know or the Israelites would understand that the reason why Moses was preserved was he would come and deliver them. But the Bible says, for they did not understand. So the following day, each one of them rather connived the secrets. Moses went to hide or Moses went to Furana into the wilderness, into that's where he went to meet his wife, Zipporah. And how long did 
Moses prayed in the wilderness, he spent 40 years in the wilderness. So because the people did not understand something, they are dead. And the same reason why they ended up spending 40 years in the wilderness. And this is the main reason why most of the times the promises of God and the will of God for our life doesn't come to pass when it's supposed to come to pass, even if it does. Because one way or the other, because we don't understand what God is doing in our lives, we end up frustrating the plans of God concerning our lives. That is why, sweetheart, you must be a matured Christian. That is why you cannot afford to be a passive Christian because your passiveness is what is robbing you from flowing with God. The book of Leviticus, the book of Exodus, the book of Numbers, the book of Deuteronomy in the wilderness. In that it should have been written in the wilderness. Then that should have been 11 days, became 40 years. And what to just study why they prolonged their days. Acts gave us a hint that is because the Israelites did not understand something. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, the verse 27. We are learning one lesson. Why many a times the will of God for our lives we frustrate? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27. We want to learn a very important principle talking about Moses. The Bible says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing. That's the word we want to look at for you this evening. As seeing, seeing him who was invisible. Let me use an, the easy English version. Moses believed God, so he left Egypt. Easy English. The king was angry about that, but Moses was not afraid of him. Nobody can really see God. Back to the revelation. Why is it that many a times he frustrated the plans of God for our life? It's because of this. But Moses continued strongly with his purpose, like somebody who could see God. As somebody who could see God, there was a certain knowledge that Moses had. That is why he was able to flow with God even though the circumstances he found himself did not look pleasing. This is very important. I want us to look at the scripture when we read in Acts. The one we read in Acts. So now we have learned something very important. So the reason why the Israelites extended their stay from 40 years was because they didn't understand, was still confident in the purpose of God for his life. It's because he was relating with God as though he could see God. And that is what we want to define, or that's a very key parameter, let me be careful. This is a key parameter of spiritual maturity. Your ability to perceive, your ability to descend, your ability to see, your ability to know when God is working on your case. You see, many times because of our spiritual immaturity, because of our spiritual dullness, you're unable to perceive when God is working. And this is what Joseph knew. That made Joseph an exceptional character. You know, in Genesis chapter 45, verse 4, when he finally revealed his identity to his brothers, Joseph made a very interesting statement. Joseph said something that, do not think I'm angry at you because you sold me into slavery. I think we should read it. Genesis chapter 45, verse number 4. Listen to what Joseph said. And Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now listen to the verse 5. Now therefore, do not be grieved, nor be angry with yourself that you sold me here. Huh? For God did send me before you to preserve your life. Wow. So the reason why Joseph was confident in God, even though his brother sold him, even though he was in a pit, even though he was sold into slavery, even though he was a slave in Potiphar's house, even though Potiphar's wife lied upon him or bear false witness against him, even though he was in a prison for years, even though when he interpreted the backlash deal and the backlash forgot him and he had to spend two extra years in prison, the reason why Joseph was not perturbed, it was that he realized that God God had sent him before his brothers to preserve them. So what did Joseph know? Joseph was able to see when the hand of God was upon his life. And this is the reason why many of us, we miss the move of God. We don't see when God is providing. We don't see when God is delivering us. So you always complain, why have I applied for so many jobs and none of them is picking me? Why am I lonely? Why don't I have a husband? Am I why don't I have this? Why don't I have this? What you are failing to realize is that God is orchestrating the events of your life. But because you cannot see the hand of God, you end up acting out of emotions. You end up acting not in faith. And you end up acting based on your sense of perception. And therefore, frustrate the plans of God for your life. 
And this is an important maybe one day we look into Abraham, whether God actually intended that it would take Abraham 25 years to conceive Isaac. In one day we look last study. And you realize that it was actually Abraham who prolonged his period. There's a season of wilderness for everybody. That one you should appreciate it because you are a child of God. There's a university of the wilderness. But how long you spend in the wilderness depends on your maturity, depends on your ability to see when God is working behind the scenes. So the reason why Joseph did not give into Potiphar's wife, even though that would have looked like the more sure way of getting to the throne very quickly by sleeping with Potiphar's wife, then you have fever with the person who manipulates the king. But Joseph could see that even though circumstances were not pleasant in his life, he was aware that God was working behind the scenes. And this is the truth that Apostle Paul knew. That is why he said, for we know that all things work together for our good. Do you know when God is on your case? Can you see the hand of God? Remember in Hebrews 11 verse 27, and Moses was strong. Moses was not afraid of Pharaoh because he was seeing the invisible. Can you see when the hand of God is upon your life? Can you see that all the denials, all this, and all those wilderness experiences, it's actually God who is working behind the scenes. But the issue is if you cannot see, you end up prolonging your stay. Because whether you like it or not, there are certain lessons that God must teach you. And if it will take God 100 years, he doesn't mind teaching you that lesson. Because you are his son. Remember in the verse 5 of Deuteronomy chapter 8, that as a man chastened his son, so will I also chasten you. So sweetheart, it is important for you to mature. It's important for you to give yourself wholly to the things of God. Other than that, your carnality and your dullness to spiritual things will end up frustrating the plans of God concerning your life. Do you see when God is delivering you from an evil husband? You know, many a times we cry when we have rejection. Many a times we cry when we don't have this, when we don't have that. It's because we can't see that God is behind the scenes. Seeing is an important element in our Christian maturity. We are being discerned when God is working. So remember in 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 10, Elijah told Elisha, you know, Elisha asked for a double portion. And Elijah said something that Charlie would have asked for. It's a very difficult thing but he said, if you can see me go, if you can see me go, and let me teach you this principle. In the spiritual world, or not the spiritual world, it sounds funny, but in the spiritual, what you can see is what you get. That is why Paul prayed for the spirit of revelation, because as long as you can see it, you can have it. That is why God told Abraham that as far as your eyes can see, that is what you can get. Seeing is an important indicator of your spiritual maturity. Your ability to see that the denials, that the delays, that the wilderness is actually the hand of God over your life. So that is why when Jesus was being taken to the wilderness, he was not angry that, hey God, you have just finished baptizing me with the Holy Ghost. I think I should be going to the synagogue. But Jesus was not perturbed because he knew that actually it was God that was leading him to the wilderness. And even in John chapter 3, verse 33 following, you know Nicodemus came to Jesus. And Jesus said something that, for very I say unto you, that unless you see the kingdom of God, you cannot enter into it. Let's read that verse because I want to explain that verse. I know many of us don't really get what is happening over there. John chapter 3, Jesus and Nicodemus. Now there was a man, let me, let me just skip to the verse, the verse 3. And Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now look at the verse 4. Then Nicodemus asked, How can a man be born again? He's supposed to enter into a woman's womb. Now look at the verse 5. Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter. Now many of us don't understand what is going on in the verse 3 and the verse 5. Is Jesus saying two different things? No. Now let's learn something. We have something we call Greek parallelism. We have what we call parallelism. So for example, Let's say in the English language, if you want to emphasize or you want to lay emphasis on a word, you put an exclamation mark. So let's say shut up and you put exclamation mark. But to the Jews, when they want to emphasize something, they repeat it. That's why you see truly, truly, surely, surely. So it's not as if Jesus is just, uh, he wants to rhyme or he's, <laughs> he's a rapper. But to show emphasis, so that's what that, um, if I say the expressions we have in the Greek language. So to show emphasis in the Greek language, you repeat it. So you say truly, truly, surely, surely, very, very. And another um, expression we have is what is called parallelism. Parallelism is saying the same thing twice in different words. 
So you are saying the same thing, but in different words to give explanation. So when Jesus said that unless a man be born again, you shall not see the kingdom. Nicodemus didn't get what Jesus was talking about. So he asked him that, ah, am I supposed to enter my mother's room? And he doesn't know. He doesn't understand. So now to explain what he said, that's what we call Greek parallelism. Jesus is now explaining what he said in the doctrine. But we saying that what does it mean to be born? To be born again simply means to be born of water and of the spirit. And now look at what he says. If he says you shall not see you, he says you shall not enter. So your ability to see the kingdom of God grant you access into the kingdom of God. So in John chapter 3, Jesus was not saying something different. He was just explaining what he said. And that's what we call Greek parallelism. It's actually called parallelism. That is why the spirit of revelation is important. Now let's look at something. I want to really emphasize this point. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 6, the verse number 23. Let's look at what Jesus said about the eye. He says that, let's start from the verse 22. For the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. The verse 23. But if your eye be evil, your whole body is full of darkness. He's saying that, does your eye see light or your eye sees darkness? So he said, if your eye be light, your whole body is lighted up. Okay, the verse 23. For the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body is full of light. And the verse 23. And if your eye be evil, your whole body is full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? So now Jesus is again teaching us the importance of what your eyes can see. Does your eyes see light or your eyes see darkness? And if your eye be light and if your eye be single, your whole body is full of light. And this is where many Africans are suffering because our eyes are full of darkness. Now let me give this example. One day I was listening to one of my spiritual instructors and he was having a prayer program he does online where he teaches for 30 minutes and he opens up for question and answers. So somebody asked the question and the person was like, Dear Pastor, I am a faithful, the person giving himself all wonderful qualities. I am a God-fearing, faithful, devoted, spirit-filled Christian. He gave the person, hey, then we are, like all those on the panel were smiling, like, hey, the way the guy's giving himself fun. And he said something like, he has been getting wet dreams and he wants to find out if he is married in a spirit. <laughs> no, he, he, he framed it in this way. He said, Pastor, do I have a spiritual marriage? What does this mean? That was his question. He said, because he has been getting it, is he married in a spirit? And what does this mean? And what can he do? And I was really interested in how this man of God will answer it because I know his perspective. And do you know what this man of God said? So his question was, what does this mean? He said that it means that you should get married. That's all. He says, your body is telling you that, brother, you have grown. <laughs> it's time for you to look for somebody and get married. And I just feel the expression on the person who sent that message. I'm sure the person felt disappointed because somehow, somehow, Africans, we have tied everything to a case. We have tied everything to a demonic invasion. When you are in Christ, how can you be in Christ, seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, and yet you are living in the fear of all sorts of things, yet you have made yourself bondage to all sorts of things like this. So because this guy's eye is full of darkness, his whole body is full of darkness, because he can't see properly. And this is what happens to many of us. Maybe you apply for a job, and the first time they didn't pick you. Can't you see that maybe God is not maybe? Can't you see that as long as you are in Christ, God is directing your path. But the next conclusion you take is that I have a case in my family. Maybe you are 28 and you are not married. Oh, there's a case in my family. Oh, maybe you are 26 and you have finished school for three years and you don't have a job. Oh, there's a case upon my life. Oh, I have done something against God. Why do we get this mentality? It's because our eye, we cannot see. That is why Jesus also said, I can give you so many scriptures, even in John chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus said, I do what I see my father do. Let's look at another scripture again. I want to really emphasize this to John chapter 3, verse number 36. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, He that believes on the Son has everlasting life, and he that does not believe on the Son shall not see. Listen to what he says. Shall not see life. That is why also, even in the wilderness, you know, a time came that these Israelites complained, and God sent serpents to bite them and the rest. And Moses prayed, and God, the affliction, Moses that built a bronze serpent and hung it. And the instruction was that when the serpent bites you, 
all you are supposed to do is to look up to that bronze serpent. Immediately you see that bronze serpent, that affliction will leave. So the deliverance of the Israelites from the serpents that were biting them was not prayer and fasting, was not going to be baptized or anointing oil or so many good activities, but the ability to see that serpent. And Jesus made the same reference to it in John chapter 3. Verse 3. You go to John chapter 3, verse 16. Look at the verse 3. The verse 3. Look at the preceding verse. See that and no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now the verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So how did Moses lift up? Or what happened in the wilderness? What are you supposed to do? The thing you are supposed to is not to saying that there is a case. Don't go about saying that there is a spiritual mind. Don't go about saying all these things. But look to the man on the cross. So the issue is that, can you see Jesus on the cross? Can you see Jesus? Can you see Jesus? Do you have an eye to see when God is dealing with you? And when I mean dealing, I don't mean that like he's beating you or bamboozling you. I see when God is straining you. But maybe when straightening the events of our lives. So many of us are doing the opposite of what Joseph is doing. So immediately Potiphar's bring herself, if I should say, because we think God is not acting fast. It's so sad to see the way ladies think that the way to get a husband is by letting the man impregnate you. Because you know that because this man had a child with you, he will be forced to marry you. Because you think you are 28, you are 29, you are 30, and nobody's marrying you. Because you have applied for jobs and you are not getting jobs, you think your solution is to go about and sell your body. Your salary doesn't seem to be able to cater of your needs. And you think that your only solution is to be dishonest, is to steal. It's because you cannot see that God is training you. And you see, what did God require of Israel that he took them through the wilderness? And that is what we'll be looking at next week. There's a certain training that God wants to take you through. That is why you are not it. So the earlier you mature, the earlier you train your spiritual senses to be able to descend the divinity of God, the better for you. Because unless you get that right, you have not passed the test. And with God, you will reset the exams till you pass. And it took the Israelites 40 years. And we'll look at the lesson that God was teaching them next week. Why the wilderness? Sweetheart, your inability to see God working in your life is the reason why your wilderness is being prolonged. Is the reason why your frustration is being prolonged. Is the reason why the delay is being prolonged. Is the reason why your Isaac is being prolonged. Is the reason why your wilderness is being prolonged. It is your responsibility to train your senses. It's your responsibility to mature. So when I see Christians very lackadaisical in their Christian work, I just feel bad because what they don't realize is that they are frustrated their miracle. They are aborting their baby. Your ability to see is your ability to pass the exams in the wilderness. So at this point, I will pause in, even as I will invite my friends to give their commentary. Bene, we go first. So Bene, kindly give us your commentary on a little background you have done for tonight. Thank you very much. Then it's all I was saying is that uh, I think I've been wondering, I've been thinking about something, and then I've realized that almost always whenever God gives us a promise or when God tells us something, it's always contrary to what we feel or what we physically see. And um, yeah, and so let's say um, with Gideon. Gideon was in a way a coward. Gideon was running away from the Midianites, but the first name of God called him when he saw him was you mighty man of valor, even though he was acting in a way of cowardice. So a lot of times when God gives us a promise, we are looking for a feeling or we are looking for a sign to validate God's promise. But we don't validate God's promise with what we see with our physical eyes or what we feel in our senses. So um, if God calls you or sorry, if God um, gives you a promise, do not look for a feeling to validate his promise. Do not look for a physical um, um, evidence to validate his point. Yeah, I think what Sam is talking about, our seeing is not a physical size. Let's say if God tells you that you are healed, 
probably you look in your body and you feel the same symptoms or you see the same signs, but it doesn't mean that God's word is wrong. Yeah, so when God gives you a promise, do not look for a feeling, do not look for a physical sign to validate his word because your feelings can lie. What you see physically are all lies, but God's word is true. So um, from what we are learning, the least I can say is that bear in mind that almost always God's word is contrary to what you feel or physically see. So choose and then make a conscious effort to adjust your mind to believe God's truth, whether your feelings or whether what you physically see validates God's word or not, because they will not validate God's word. God's word is truth, no matter what you feel or what you see. God bless you so much. And it's very important that you see the reality of God's word. So even God had open the Red Sea and cause them to walk in the middle of the Red Sea. That if he had taken them through the way of the Philistines, this we said when they see war, they would return because these people were still being dependent on their sensory perceptions. They were not able to see that after God had done such a miracle for them like this, don't you think God can continue doing miracles? But their inability to descend the move of God and to descend the dealings of God frustrated themselves. God bless you so much. Baba, kindly give us a commentary. Baba. Thank you very much. I would say that unfulfilled expectations or maybe hoping to receive something from God that keeps feeling can be very frustrating. But then in our last episode before this one, we learned something about the immutability of God. Like God is not moved by our time, even as we are. We are living in time. He's living in eternity. So perhaps maybe you are in a wilderness that should take you 11 days. It's taking you more than 40 years. Just know that he's, he, had, he has made his statement or he has made a word concerning you. It shall surely come to pass. It doesn't matter the time. So this is to encourage us that even if you are going through something that should take it is taking you know that our God is immutable. He's not bound by time. He eventually show up, but then your readiness to see the hand of God in everything also matters. Then I would ask a question to that. Can there be a situation that someone, a child of God, will not go through the wilderness like at all? Because for some people, life is all rosy, smooth, everything is going on well. I believe in God, they are trusting God, and everything that they hope is coming right on time. So for such people, will they go through the wilderness or no wilderness for them? Okay, God bless you so much. It's a very good question. Um, I'm yet to see somebody like that. <laughs> both in the scriptures and in reality. You see, that I said that maybe your definition of the wilderness, for example, let's even take Jesus as a classical example. The Bible said that he learned obedience by the many things he suffered. Where a relationship with God is if the person is already perfect. When a person was born again, because the essence for the wilderness is for the dealings and the chastisings of God. And even Jesus, he had to learn obedience. That's what Hebrews tells us. That means that obedience was not impacted on Jesus. Jesus learned it. He had to learn it by living for 33 years. That's how he learned obedience. So if Jesus, the epitome of perfection, learned something, the only thing a child of God will not go through the wilderness experience is when a thing is already perfect. But now, when you say the wilderness experience, don't limit it to maybe material gains. So maybe you know somebody who is born again and is born into a rich family. And because of that, maybe the person did, um, unless maybe the person finished school. Yes, the person did, did business, business administration or banking or finance, that kind of thing. And the person's administrative jobs are occupied because the person is from a wealthy background. The father can go and buy a company for the person. <laughs> or the father has a company that he needs an administrator. And that's the child of that really works. So the person will not go through that experience of maybe looking for a job 
or a financial wilderness. Let me put it that way. You see, we mostly limit the dealings of God with money. That is why we don't recognize that certain experiences you are having is because God is training you. And when you go into details, we look at the various God took them through. So even if you're paying attention to their reading, a particular verse said that, didn't I make you hungry? And did I give you manna? So them being hungry was a training. And even them getting manna was a training. So God would train you. And that's what you mean by the wilderness is when God is training you. And everybody who is a believer, every day of life is a training day. God can train you with money. And you look into that metric. For example, God can give you a thousand other cities. And the training of God is to see if you remember to acknowledge him in that money. And many of us fail the money test. Next week, we'll look into it. Because when we get thousands, of you don't even remember that it was God who gave you the money. Therefore, you don't acknowledge him. You don't honor him with the seed. So you see, we just think that it's because the training only comes when you don't have money. So when you don't have money, you are still able to serve God faithfully. We think that alone is the training. God will give you money and God will see how you deal with the money. So I'll just end over here. Next week, we'll look more into the details of the wilderness experience. Abna, kindly give us a commentary. Okay, so my opening statement will be the wilderness journey or the journey in the wilderness it carries purpose i'm sure we'll expound on this during our next episode but i just wanted to say it because i'll end up saying something whilst i'm speaking which will refer to this so back to our scripture for today which was taken from exodus chapter 13 verse 17 to 18 so from this verse i believe that god was concerned about the israelites and that if they went through the possible the shortest possible way they might see war and return back to egypt which some already said and i want to tell us today that god is always thinking of us and sometimes the shortest way to god's promises to you may have things that you may not be able to handle so that's why sometimes he takes you through the wilderness and it carries a purpose which we will we'll talk about next week i'm sure and the god of wonders is the same god the god that you know who does wonders is the same god that, that is leading you through this wilderness now so whatever you are going through which is your wilderness as some has already said there are different, different types of ways we as Christians go through the wilderness. It might not be the same. So that's how come I keep saying your wilderness. So it's the same God that's leading you through this wilderness. And wherever you stand now is the path that God has chosen for you to stand. And God is leading the way and he knows what is best for you. As mentioned earlier, God is treating us Christians like we are his sons and daughters. So he knows what is best for us. That's how come he's taking us through this period or time. And the purpose doesn't shorten the promises God has for us. Whatever promise God has for us will surely come to pass. And if you read Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, it says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent. So as Benet said, sometimes people try to get things in their own time. Maybe God says he'll do this for you. Sometimes people try to get in their heads that probably it will come within these three months. But God has his own mind. God has his own purpose. But the fact that you are going through the wilderness doesn't mean that God's promises for you will not come to pass. It will surely come to pass. And the path of your life may not be as you have planned it. But I want to tell you today that it is as God has thought it for you. And the shortest way is not always the best way. Thank you. Bless you so much. God bless you so much. And I've now said something very interesting, and that also helps answer Barbara's question, that everybody's wilderness is different. So for David, it was Saul who was pestering his life 
For Jesus, he demanded he, go, he goes to the cross. For Moses, he demanded he spends 40 years in the wilderness. So everybody else is different. So the fact that you look back at someone's life and everything seemingly seems or everything seems to go all well doesn't mean that the person is not having an encounter or the person not having a training with God. So first, it may be financial. For somebody, it may be marriage. For somebody, it may be health. For another person, it may be childbirth. For another person, it may be career. And even among, let's say, finances, there are various dealings that God will take you through. So everybody's experience. So nobody in the Bible was asked to present his child as a sacrifice. Nobody. Did God ask again to bring his child? Nobody asked to go to the cross to die. Nobody was asked to, 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 to fight war and deliver the people into the promised land like Joshua. So because our purposes are different and the callings of God upon our lives are unique, your wilderness experience too would also be unique. So we want to pray shortly from Ephesians as you should expect and what Paul said. The prayer prayer of Paul, the verse 18, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. He said that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. And if this happens, you will know the hope to which you have been called. And what's the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the same? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? according to the mighty power. This is why many of us don't know the hope to which we have been called. Thus, we are always frustrated, we are always complaining, we are always murmuring. It's because the eyes of our understanding are not enlightened. We want to pray to God our Father, enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Anoint our eyes with eyes so that we may see. Anoint our eyes so that just as Joseph said, that you meant it for evil, but God sent me before you. Father, we pray for grace that we will be able to descend your dealings in our lives. We pray for grace that we will be able to sense your feelings in our lives. We pray for grace that even when we are in the pit, even when we are in a prison, even when we are in slavery, we would know it is your way of sending us before. We know even when Son is pursuing us, we know that you are training us up into royalty. We know even though our Isaac is delayed and you have asked of us to bring up our Isaac, we know that you are training us. Father, may we not frustrate your plans for our lives, but may we flow with you. May we submit to the deeds and to your dealings on our life. In the name of our Lord Jesus. God bless you so much. We really appreciate your presence. And remember to keep giving God the best. And make sure that the only thing we owe anybody is love. See you next week, even as we look at who was God's dealing and what was the purpose of the wilderness in Deuteronomy chapter 8. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. My soul longs for you, my soul longs for you, this heart beats for you.